Hey, everybody. Fantastic episode of the morning show today. We discuss blurs, dominance over OpenSea, and what the future could look like for both platforms. We talk about NFT volume being at what seems to be an all-time low since the initial run-up of NFTs. We talk about Janet Yellen's scary projections for the United States Treasury. And then we have an addition of buy, sell, or send it to zero with our very own Easy Eats Bodega. We talk about Rex Guy, OnChain Monkey, and Mad Lads. Overall, it's a great show. To claim today's free NFT, go to the nifty.com slash claim and put in the password jungle six. That's J-U-N-G-L-E and then the number six. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the NFT Morning Show. If it is your first time listening, we run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week where we discuss all things NFTs, crypto, entertainment, gaming, finance, and just about everything in between. I'm your host, P.O. Nifty Nick is not going to be with us today, but we got this all-star squad as usual. First off, Signal. Coder turned content creator, the host of Artist Spotlight, the weather reporter extraordinaire. Love hearing Signal's sophisticated takes on the NFT market. She's been sporting a cap to rep uh, the, the hat squad here on YouTube since we all also have hats. Uh, Easy's Bodega, the host of GMGM Market Talk, the dog behind Bodagos, the centerpiece of Buy, Seller, Send It to Zero with Easy's Bodega, of course. Day trader extraordinaire, absolute badass market participant king kicks the ceo of crypto raiders gaming studio cyber stadium popping off 200k plus in that prize pool 100 goes to the players the intelligent degenerate he booked quite a bit of profit in the past month i think you need to mute on twitter buddy uh we got clemente yeah. <laughs> producer extraordinaire just make sure you mute on twitter kicks uh producer extraordinaire uh, the man behind the scenes, always crushing it. Kicks is mad at me that I made him go in the other room to mute, but I think uh, it's going to be for the best. Uh, but wouldn't be able to do the show without Clemente. Your favorite segments are created and curated by him. And last but not least, we have Bunny. Bunny, your bio just says that Board Ape Yacht Club costs less than eighty-five grand. What happened, dude? How, like, is that going to just cripple you financially, Bunny? Well, I mean, it doesn't cripple me financially. Like, my kids probably can't go to college, but <laughs> it, it just makes me sad, dude. Like, I don't know what's going on. Even when they tweet stuff, price don't go up anymore. I Like, I'm dying for another. Remember, fuck it, mutants. For, like, I need one of those again, man. Yeah. I mean, Nick said, do you remember when Nick said that uh, he predicts a price point of, like, 30 grand or something for Bored Apes? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a little. That's Nick being Nick, right? Like, it's not going to go that fucking long. How low do you think it's going to go, buddy? I could see it going to like. I think I could see it going to forty ETH. Forty ETH. That's like basically where it's at now, dude. Well, it's at forty forty six right now. Well, <laughs> what? The call is that? Like, yeah, I can see it going right where it is right now, and we're we're here. It's at forty six, dude. It's literally ten grand above that, like. You guys are off by five ETH. 
Okay, well, guess what, buddy? I can also see it going that low. So thank you for that maverick-level prediction. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to discuss the spike in gas fees that's causing several project delays. Oh, I love this. This is my favorite. The U.S. Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen. Oh, it's too bad Nick's not here because Nick loves Janet Yellen, Jerome Powell. He's going to get, like, the tattoos and all that. But we're going to talk about Janet Yellen uh, sounding the alarm to Congress. I believe uh, I saw a quote that she said that we need need to uh, raise the debt ceiling so that other countries don't think that we're a deadbeat country. So we're not a bunch of deadbeats. You're right, Janet. No, you're not. And another edition, of course, of uh, buy, sell, or send it to zero with our very own Easy Eats Bodega. This show is sponsored by our free NFT platform. Right now, it's a free NFT platform. It's going to grow into a lot more. The nifty.com, T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. If you go and sign up, you'll subscribe to our newsletter, but more importantly, you'll have an account ready to claim today's free NFT. So you want to be, uh, you're going to want to be ready for that, and I don't want to hear that you weren't ready later in the show when we give the password for the free NFT. Anyway, let's rock and roll over to the weather report. Signal, please take it away. Yeah, GM, GM, everyone. If you watch Succession, hit me up on Twitter. So <laughs> volume coming up at 25.3 million across the market. Uh, that's actually pretty good. We are up on total volume uh, blurry at 18.5. So um, there's, they've also seen a Increase overnight while OpenSea down at 5.6. We should be asking not how low Board Ape Yacht Club can go. We should be asking how low can OpenSea volume go. I'm calling it down to around two to three million. Yeah, two million is my call uh, in the next 30 days. On to the leaders. You got Apes at 85K. We've spoken about that. Mutants at 10.5. Punks at 50.5. Azuki holding nicely at 15.3, while D-Gods, a little bit of pump there, 8.8. Captains, 7.1. Pudgies holding nicely. Uh, Moomba slightly down under mint at 2.3. Over the past 24 hours, well, D-Gods, obviously, uh, we were talking about it on the show yesterday. Easy guessed it right. That became the next collection to be added to Blend. Out of the gate, the price action was very strong, pumped up to 9.2. And on the Benipal uh, loans, uh, you could actually have picked up a D God for as low as 1.24 ETH. Collection now uh, settled around 8.8. On to Artifact, well, Twitter account uh, Kane underscore uh, Boudouin tweeted that if the deadline for Artifact forging had been today, in fact, roughly only three quarters of the collection would have been forged. That is pretty low. Benito from Artifact retweeted, there is absolutely no reason on any of these not to be forged. Luckily, there is an extension until May 10th. Hopefully, some of those numbers can go a bit higher. On to the PFP side of the market, and Gary V and Snowfro have joined the roster of Rec Guy collectors. Rec Guy down bad, but never dead. That is holding a 0.52 ETH floor. And lastly, Yuga is hiring their first head of business development gaming. This is a big role. This person is going to be pivotal in bringing blockchain gaming to the masses by establishing no strong relationships with outside game developers and identifying those strategic partners for IP integration. The role is playing the, the bucks. The role is paying the bucks at 250,000 to 300,000 salaries. So if you think you can be the first head of business development and gaming, there's a job open for you. On to crypto, we've got BTC <laughs> down at 27.6. ETH uh, um, at, holding at 1.8. Solana, unfortunately, going closer down to 28. Still going down as well down to 3.3. So a bit of a pullback on some of these numbers. So the weather looking pretty rainy and overcast 
out there. Back to you folks. Fantastic weather report as usual signal. While Gary V and Snowfall buying Rec Guy. Shout out to OSF and Mando for the success of Red Rec Guy attracting some big time collectors there. Man, we gotta uh we're gonna go into the digest in just a second. Uh Spencer has just joined Spencer of Spencer Ventures. Uh, absolutely thrilled to have him on the show as usual. How's it going, Spencer? Well, you know, I don't know. You're thrilled to have me here, and I'm just kind of meh to be here today. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it is. I don't know if it's just because it's you know it's a PO only morning show, and I miss my daily dose of Nick. That's that's probably what it is, you know. Um, but signal, I'm happy to see at least. So there's that. And Spencer, you're starting your day with some kombucha. I can't be that bad. Uh, yeah. but it's pretty middle of the road kombucha. This is like ah. the Amazon cheapest kombucha they have. This is not like synergy. Stuff. It's not synergy level. Yeah, yeah like no, it's not synergy night. level. Yeah. This is not you know the go to CVS and pay six dollars. This is go on Amazon and pay like a buck. And, and Spencer, I've, I've got to say, you look you look different today because normally Spencer's like in his drip, and now you're coming out here with just like a regular shirt. Is everything okay? You're just like in a regular shirt, a regular. Yeah, you know, shirt. it's just them the 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 bear market Tuesday vibes. I don't know how to tell it to you in any Shit other way. Coins had a uh, a heavy effect on them this past <laughs> week. Dude, watching everybody else make that generational wealth while I faded uh, coins with no utility has been has been traumatic. It's been tough to watch, tougher even on the wallet. You know, uh, I'm just I'm 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 out here though. You know, as we are making it day by day, hour by hour. Tough life, but he's out here. He's got the kombucha out of the can. You got to get the kombucha out of the dark bottle. That's the uh, the key to kombucha. Otherwise, you're going to get a little bit of degradation. Anyway, some updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. Crypto exchange Bitrix filed for bankruptcy in Delaware amid operational struggles and an SEC lawsuit. While its non-U.S. branch, Bitrix Global, remained unaffected. Uh, following Azuki's... Wait, Azuki had a Pepe airdrop to holders with the frog trade? $8. <laughs> $8. Nice. Cubs holders... With three or more Cubs in their crew received five million Pepe. How many dollars was that? Like not nine point seven five. Okay. Dude, dude, like why would you even do that? Like they can't even sell it. They can't they, even sell it for more. They like, did a uh like a maps like uh a game within their Discord where you could go and steal, you could tip people with Pepe. So it's basically within the system, only if you withdraw it, you have to pay gas. So it was like they did a little interaction. Oh, okay. So it's it's like a, a custodial, like on you know, centralized kind of thing. Like so gas. It's like in-game currency. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Okay, I retract my statement. There you go. Last uh update. Artifact extended its Air Force One forging deadline to May 10th after less than 80% of each eligible shoe model was forged. Why even have a deadline? Like, what are the NFTs? I mean, this well, is... They're making them bespoke to your size, right? Like, that's the whole thing, is mm, that there's long only time. exactly a certain amount of supply. Yeah. And so for there to be exactly a certain amount of supply, they don't have, like, stock they're holding, right? They have an assembly line they're going to take apart at the end of this print run. So I think it's actually pretty reasonable. Um, I also will cop to being one of the shoes I am owned 10% of and have yet to forge because I'm lazy. Oh, wow. I saw that they were extending the deadline, but um, we'll be forging that pretty soon. Okay. So- gas is high too, which turned like over the last two weeks, a lot of people weren't paying $300 on top of it to force sneaker. Like, it's like, great. I just spent a thousand. Let me just go through 30% of the cost to then make the shoe 
physically arrive or wait two weeks and pay $11. That's pretty funny that Spencer's going to actually have a material impact on that newsletter update. Like the percentage that's in that newsletter, he's literally going to have a material yeah. impact on. Um, I wonder, I think Nick did forge, I sold my NFT, the Murakami NFT. Um, I think Nick did forge his Murakami sneaker. He said that he had to check like seven or eight boxes and like go through a lot to do it. And I was like, yeah, that's a lot easier than just buying a pair of shoes on Nike.com or StockX or something. We still got a long way to go, ladies and gentlemen. I saw Bunny raise his hand. Bunny, something to add before we dive in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now it was like on the Pepe thing. And then I put my hand up. So uh, somebody tweeted that I think it was Kenobi, who's been like a big Pepe maxi. He tweeted that he was browsing OpenSea and he couldn't pay in Pepe. Uh, and he was wondering when they were going to integrate that. And OpenSea quote tweeted it and said, put your notifications on. So it looks like it's going to be added to OpenSea Pro. Wow. Nice. They're really trying to pump that 5.4 million a day in volume. <laughs> Turn on your notifications. This is the big move from OpenSea here. Turn I, your notifications on. You can buy your shitcoin NFTs with your shitcoin. <laughs> people were talking. I mean, like people were trying to push uh, a rumor that Pepe was going to get listed on Coinbase. Nasdaq. Nasdaq. <laughs> that, that, I don't know if you saw the screenshot. There was like, if you look at, there was like, it was like a frequently asked question. I think it was like a canned response. It's like. You know, sign up to our fucking email for more updates on when Pepe coin gets listed. But I'm sure it has that for like other coins that you search. I like Kix's bet a little bit better. Facebook, Apple, Pepe, just a healthy yeah, basket. Bigger, of, uh... dude. These guys are thinking too small. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'm glad that we have Spencer here to talk about Janet Yellen's quote that everybody's talking about. We're going to get to that in just one second. First, I just wanted to call out like this blur volume versus open sea volume gap is just getting wider and wider. Just a quick thought like is this is open sea going to like fail over the next, you know, 6 to 12 months? This is kind of crazy. Spencer, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, I don't think open sea like the, the world where OpenSea totally fails would be due to cash mis mismanagement. So the big question with OpenSea is how big was their tax liability based, and what do they do with their ETH, right? So like the big issue that most large companies face that would cause them to fail at that size right now would be if all of their 2.5% royal, royalties were kept in ETH and you have revenue against capital losses and you can't deduct the decreased price of ETH from the tax liability, and then they're basically underwater there and can't raise additional funding, like that would be the world where they fail. I don't think that that's a huge, huge possibility. I think they're, even if they're in really bad shape, some like their brand is still worth something, and like someone would bail them out if they were literally closing their doors. So I think we see OpenSea stick around, but like, you know. Is it going to be X2, Y2 level relevant? Is it going to be looks rare level relevant? Is it going to be like actually relevant? Like, I don't know, right? It's like, it, it, it may become a zombie company at some point, but also it may go public in the next cycle. Like that's not unreasonable to think. Blur, I don't think is gearing up to go public. And so it still would be beneficial for entities overall if it went public, right? Like Coinbase isn't the highest volume marketplace for coins. It's relatively high volume, but Binance is bigger than Coinbase by a lot. And that didn't stop Coinbase from going public, right? So, like, 
I don't know. But Coinbase definitely, when it went public, I think was bigger than it is today as a percentage of market share. So there are these variables to weigh in, but I would say that OpenSea is still the closest NFT marketplace to going public. And that's really, really important for the ecosystem. Yeah, I think that that's totally a fair take. Uh, I don't know, Easy. do you have any thoughts on this this volume gap widening? I mean, you got to think who's still around right now. You know what I mean? Like right now, it's basically just traders like in this market. So for me, it's like, that's what's driving most of the volume. And until retail re-enters the space at like any sort of capacity or until there's a catalyst for it, it becomes a little bit more difficult for me to even like start to speculate that Blur could kill OpenSea. Because to Spencer's point, they raised peak peak bull run. So like they have cash on hand. And on top of it, like Blur not, it doesn't look like Blur's gearing up to go public anytime soon. So I don't think that that's even like kind of a conversation at this point. I don't think OpenSea dies. I think it's still way more of like the retail friendly. It's like, Robinhood, I don't think does more volume than like a Charles Schwab, you know, or like a Fidelity. So like, that's how I look at it is like the retail experience is still the retail experience. And Kicks, any thoughts on this at all? Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think that right now in like the absolute Pico bottom of like volume for NFTs, I don't want to make you know, too many sweeping judgments. I'm pretty sure OpenSea has a decent enough CFO um, that they're like not going to run out of cash. And their CFO left. Great. Yeah, he probably <laughs> left because he, he left like job. almost a year so ago. Damn well. So they don't have a CFO? That's a pretty big company to not have a CFO. I'm not sure if they don't have a CFO. I wouldn't stand by that statement. But um, they had a CFO that was big and fancy and was definitely gearing them up to go public. And when it became clear that they were not going public, he, he just yeeted. Yeeted, yeah. Yeah, he yeeted out. That's fine. Fuck him. <laughs> um, go back to Web 2. Just kidding, man. Maybe we'll work together one day. That was a joke. Um, but yeah, I, I think I don't want to make too much of a sweeping judgment. I'm pretty sure that they have cash in the bank. They, are, they already made but some decent like play. Counter, counterpoint here is look at Ledger, right? Ledger should have cash in the bank at all times and somehow manages to consistently run out of that cash in like six month sprints and has had to yeah. raise funding every six months for the last like two, three years at like hundreds of millions of dollars and nobody knows where the money goes. Like this is this is like a yeah. weird, weird well, thing. Because I think I think Ledger's running on the play, you know, the uh twenty like the last decade playbook where it was, you know, Zerp and you could just raise indefinitely and never make money. It seems like OpenSea, you know, they don't seem to be raising as aggressively. What I'm basically my point is, is that I'm not going to count OpenSea out because what is going to matter in the next big NFT run is retail. And I think OpenSea still um, has a brand with retail. Now, can Blur take that, uh, take that market away from OpenSea as well? Possibly. But yeah, I'm not going to count like, you know, OpenSea out, uh, you know, just yet. But, you know, Blur is definitely looking very strong here positionally. Yeah, for sure. Signal, any thoughts before we move on? Yeah, no, I'm kind of on the same page as everyone else. I wouldn't count them out at all on this, even if volume does go low. Um, I think if, like, if you were going to bring a friend into the space, like we all did, like, which one would you send them to? Would you send them to Blur? Or would you send them to OpenSea? I would be more comfortable sending them to OpenSea just from a UI perspective. That when I walk out the room, they haven't clicked the wrong button because the UI is very like friendly and easy for a beginner. Um, and, you know, and, and in any market as well, you're always going to have sort of like the big four, but the big four could be very different in size, but still relevant. So going back to what Spencer was saying, it's just like, 
okay, they might not be number one anymore, but there's definitely a place where they could be number two, three, and four. And all of those four platforms get volume, just different amount of volume. I think for uh, a company like OpenSea, hopefully they've managed their treasury correctly. And it's just about battling down the hatches, becoming as lean as possible in terms of their team size, not growing, going back to their roots and just surviving until, you know, for the next 12 to 18 months. And hopefully being able to come out with a product or service that is compelling to the market but not copying Blend as a product, which only caters to a very, very small um, section of the market, but coming out with something which is more compelling and that people will want to use. If they can be innovative still, there's definitely room for them within the market. Yeah, I mean, they can try to copy Blend. The problem was that they didn't really uh, innovate or do anything, quite frankly, it seems, until Blur started eating their lunch. Uh, People complained for months and months and months that they wouldn't ship updates. And then all of a sudden, Blur comes out and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll be shipping updates every two weeks. Name one update they've shipped. Um, but like, tons. what does it do? They've, they, they've done tons. Like the UI has got better over the years. There's been smaller features, but they have they have changed the UI. Spencer, the couple of, like, it, it was really bad before, man. It's actually yeah, like okay. usable now. But 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 OpenSea Pro is an upgrade on OpenSea, but it's just what it's just a reskin gem. Uh, not uh, that's one angle, but for example, let's say you want to list something on OpenSea now, you can click like floor. Like you couldn't do that before. You had to manually put in like right, this po- is fair. This is true. <laughs> I forget that they've upgraded because like, you can I don't group use stuff together and mass floor stuff. Like there's, they've definitely taken experiences from Blur that the consumer was like, this is way better. Like don't get me wrong. Like I still prefer Blur every time, but like they've yeah, and there's room for both. There's room for both. You know what I mean? There's Amazon. There's eBay. eBay is still worth $24 billion. It's big in the car parts scene. OpenSea has ERC1155s. That's their car parts. So, you know, I think we're good. Yeah. By no means was I giving OpenSea, like, mad props. I was just saying, like, they, they implemented something. when Whereas, like, last year, there was probably, like, a seven-and-a-half-month period where it was like, we're not going to do anything. Like the site's going to be functional, but we're not going to add anything. And- I mean, just to add, sorry, sorry, Pio, you know, if, if we want to talk about what is a product or service or feature that they could, if, if they wanted to, they could just like lean into it more is the artist drops because Nifty Gateway, every time there's an artist drop, which is even like slightly popular, that platform falls over itself. And you're always hearing about like people complaining, the website not refreshing. Like if you've ever gone through that experience, it's extremely frustrating. And there's just room for uh, like a platform like OpenSea just to take that section of the market and run with it and make artist platforms, uh, sorry, make, make artist drops just a smooth, a lovely experience that when you buy the art, you felt like, oh yeah, this is part of the service and not like this angry feeling you have towards the artist, the tech, and then the fact that your money isn't being taken or it has been taken and it's been taken too many times on your credit card. So I'm, I'm like, for, for me, that's just like an open window, just like improve artist drops and make that experience better and just essentially take away what Nifty Gateway hasn't been able to improve on. Yeah, I got to think that Nifty, well, like Grant Yun dropping on Nifty Gateway basically added, uh, you know, like, you know, three months, four months of lifespan to Nifty Gateway from what I can tell, even though they botched the drop, it's still like a pretty big, it's a huge name. It's like a top five name to drop on the platform. And before that, I can't think of the last like super significant quote unquote crossover drop uh, in the sense that it went mainstream in uh, the NFT space. Anyway, uh, 
glad that we have Spencer on the show today and his bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Chicago because we got to talk about Janet Yellen sharing a scary projection that the U.S. Treasury will likely run out of cash by June 1st. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, the, ec- the economist of the year. Let's go. Early June is when we project that we will run out of cash and there is a chance it could be as early as June 1st. Of course, there is a lot of uncertainty and I plan to update Congress as new information uh, becomes available, but that's still our current thinking. Are there extraordinary measures you can take around that time or is that it? Well, really, that's it. We've been using extraordinary measures for several months now, and um, our ability to do that is running out, and we will start to run down our cash. And um, our current projection is that in early June, a day will come when we're unable to pay our bills unless Congress raises the debt ceiling for everyone. I mean, boy, is she sharp. That's like watching Stephen Curry in his prime right there. Uh, Stephanopoulos really holding their feet to the fire there. So look, what, what's the deal? I mean, this is, Pomp's been sounding the alarm on this. Biology's been sounding the alarm on this. I don't think this is a big deal. Uh, this is just, maybe this is me being like a little too jaded, but I feel like this always happens where they're like, oh, we're not, what if we don't raise the debt ceiling? And like, this is the reason that like it always sounds weird when they question the Fed about this is because like the answer is they just have to fucking raise the debt ceiling. There's just like there is no scenario where that doesn't happen. Right. I think the scenario you're, that you're doesn't right. happen is like <laughs> government fails and it's main like like just, I mean, maybe this happens, but who does it serve? The answer is like it is not beneficial to really anybody for their, to the debt ceiling to not increase. And it's the type of mess that is like not clean upable. Like this is like permanently wrecking the United States globally is what happens. And so like, I don't think that's really in the interest of even either political party. Like I don't think it's even in the scope of like, oh, like we should make sure this happens under like a democratic president so that Republican presidents win the next election. Like, I don't think this is within the scope of that. Oh, definitely. I think this is literally so bad that like nobody wants it and anyone involved in this not happening would look back. Oh, yeah. a thousand percent. And even if like Trump gets in there, uh, you know, in the next election, he's going to be like, the debt ceiling's much too low. I think it needs to be much higher. I'm hitting my head on the debt ceiling right now. We have the greatest debt ceiling <laughs> in the whole world. They need to increase more of our great debt ceilings. He's good. Yeah, he's going to raise it because it's like, pump. let's pump the markets, you know, and, and who cares about exacerbating the wealth gap? I don't know. Yeah. I, it, oh, go ahead, Kex. I think, I mean, I think personally, you know, if you just look at it, it's kind of like the boomer generation just ran up some huge credit card bills so they could just straight chill and they're just, you know, planning on screwing us all over. So I think that what we got to do is, you know, Social Security is a Ponzi, just get rid of that (laughs) and then make uh, uh, all the old people that needed the Social Security just tax all the other old people that are rich and have been screwing us over and make them pay for those people's Social Security. I think that's what we should do. And then tell them like you, you get okay. one more. Yeah. You get one more debt ceiling raise and then you got to figure, you know, you got to balance this shit out, you know, cause when we're 60, man, you know, it's going to be a little harder. You can't just, you know, this well, is like, you, this. right. You know I mean? This is like, you know, your parents are just running up massive credit card debt. 
and you got just one annoying brother that's like, I want to go to fucking Myrtle Beach for <laughs> the summer, so I don't really care. You know, just get another credit card, Dad. Like that's what I feel like, dude. It's just, dude. Like, how does this get better? Like, we're just we just keep heading down like the worst situation. So eventually, we got to tell these old people that like you got to fend for yourselves, guys. We're not gonna, you know, we're not paying into Social Security anymore because it's not gonna exist when we're older. So if you're old and you're rich, you got to pay for your old and poor friends, and that's just how it's gonna work. Okay, so figure it out, and uh, yeah. Very nuanced, sophisticated take from Kicks. Easy. I would say, say, you know, Pierre, you always say we do this show Monday to Friday every week. I really want you to think about how long you want to say, like, how long you're going to do this. Because Social Security, in a way we're all living, people are going to have to work longer. So how long do you want to do Monday to Friday every week? Because we're going to be doing this until we're like, you know, people in France are striking over the fact that the, like the age limit has been raised for like two years. And when I say strike, I mean like every single service, public service on strike, including like dustbins were like filled for weeks and weeks. Like, like if you saw the pictures in the news, it was just like, garbage city like some you you would never think a city like paris or a country like france would just look like literally a tip and this is because the the age limit has just been increased like just a couple of years in germany they work way longer uh in england also it's going to be going up like everyone in the world is going to have to work a lot lot longer so the question becomes like uh, kicks is saying yes it's a little bit of a ponzi but at the end of the day what will happen is our generation and younger generations will just have to take on that debt and that will just have to be serviced by us. There's no other way around this. Obviously, we'll have to be um, increased as well, but the burden will come to the younger generation. That's it. Well, I'm ready to do this show well into my 70s or 80s. I'm going to be injected longer. with TRT <laughs> on, a, on a weekly basis. I'm going to be more Jack then than I am now. Um, okay, well, look, I mean, I feel like it's not even worth discussing this. It's like, what, like Spencer said, what's going to happen? They're going to raise the debt ceiling. What, I remember what? I was in high school and they fought over the debt ceiling. <laughs> and it just, it ended up being bad for everybody that like, as Spencer said, it ended up being bad for, I think it was like the Republican Party and Obama was in office and it ended up kind of, Blowing back on the Republicans, del- delaying the debt ceiling raise. To, to be clear, though, also, like this, I think will look worse at some near point. Like, I trust that this will be an 11th hour thing that they do every time. Every, every time. time. It's, it's just, it's political theater. And at some point, it's like, I, and, 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 you know, you can, you can have a different opinion on this. Like, I think it's reasonable to have a different opinion. But my opinion is that I'm done. I'm not buying tickets to this theater. Not gonna go sit, not not sit in front row, not shelling out my hard-earned cash. I don't think that this is gonna happen. Maybe it does, and it's really bad if it does. You're saying you don't think this is gonna happen, as in that they you don't think that they won't raise the debt ceiling. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. So, like, here's the thing: the options are raise the debt ceiling or default on our debt. (laughs) Right? Which one do you think is gonna happen? Default on their debt. (laughs) Now, maybe they do, but like. What is the real hedge? Like how, like, let's say that you think that they're going to default on their debt. How do you prepare for that? Do you like short treasuries? Like, what do you even do? The Singaporean dollar. <laughs> it's the safest bet we got for it. That's all it is. On the Singaporean dollar. That's you, it. That's it. Just, just get your golden visa to Singapore. Drop your, drop your like 20 mil or whatever. Back up the brinks on the Singaporean <laughs> dollar. If we default on our debt and watch, watch what happens. All right. I'm telling you now. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is an inside joke on this show. One of several. This one is that easy buy Singaporean dollars, actually, uh, because that's how much of a degen he is. He'll just turn to Forex trading when he needs to. Anyway, this is like literally not even worth talking about. They're going to raise the debt ceiling, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to print, print more money. Uh, ultimately, that is good for assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum, whether or not it's reflected immediately. Obviously, we're in a weird-ass bear market right now. So, who, I mean, we're in a bear market where you literally had the best trade of the past three years pop up in a two-and-a-half-week period. Out of the blue, it was a shit coin called Pepe. I don't know which way is up. Anyway, let's talk about the NFT market specifically. The gas fee situation is kind of, well, it's, it's as bad as it has been in a bit. It's not as bad as it was in late 2021, but the, the shit coin trading I just talked about is leading to some weird, uh, you know, gray prices or, or whatever gas fees on uh, the Ethereum network. Um, and it's actually making some NFT collections cut their supply, I suppose, uh, extend the mint window, you know, mess with the drops. I mean, let's just talk about this at a high level. The, the collections I'm talking about are, are imaginary ones and, and a couple others, but basically like who's dropping NFTs right now? What's like a hyped up drop? What's the state of the NFT specific market right now? Cause things are kind of weird. Uh, yeah. Anyone can take it away from here. Anyone got any thoughts on this? I think right now we've seen a, a period of time where you, you've got uh, shit coins doing two things. One, they are literally clogging the chains as there's high <laughs> gas fees. But two, they're also clogging the attention economy, right? Yeah. And I think you see a lot of bigger projects kind of rightfully say, ah, I don't know if I'm making my big announcement when Gway is at whatever Gway is at. And, uh, and the timeline is literally just like, I don't know. Like I had my first weekend in a very long time this weekend where I just kind of didn't look at Twitter very much because I was just like, I don't know that I like care to see all this Pepe stuff right now, which yeah. is fine. Like I, I'm happy for everyone who made money on Pepe and did those things. But like, I think there's a couple more things. I, I think if you're looking at what is actually exciting, I think there is some excitement around what you guys going to roll out, but I think they need to get more to the game part of some of the things they're doing. And I think it wouldn't shock me to see because there was a few weeks where we all we talked about was Dookie Dash. And it wouldn't shock me if there was another game from Yuga that was like very all-consuming of the attention economy. I also think there's going to be a meta pretty soon with, um, you know, around the Azuki party in Vegas is like a bigger thing that I think people realize in terms of whatever speculation will go on ahead of that, beans, etc. I also think that like if, just, if you want to talk like practically, tactically, one of the most obvious things going on in the market right now is that whenever Blur uh, lists a new project for lending, there's like an immediate pump. And so there's going to be like more speculation about what next collection will be turned on for Blur lend for Blend. Um, we also have some catalysts. You know, it looks like meme land stuff is potentially ramping up. Like there are hmm. things. The bigger question is like, um, you know, what are the bigger external factors? Like, I don't think that we see as many new projects pop up, although there likely will be one or two. My hope is that the new projects that pop up won't be as shitcoiny as the last set, like Knock Amigos, but will be actual projects building things that are longer term, like, uh, I don't know, the Nifty Portal. No, but um, there's a lot of other stuff kind of on the horizon, but 
I don't know. I, it's also reasonable that a lot of the good builders may just wait till the next cycle kicks off. I mean, you might be waiting for a while for that. Uh, easy? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's still just like, right now people just want something to be excited about. Like, And the thing is, we continue to like, I think there's a lot actually happening outside of even like the traditional ETH realm. Like you look at NFL Rivals, which is a blockchain game that just launched. It's top 10 on the marketplace on the iPhone right now. And it's a blockchain mobile game. And like there's a ton of traction and actual liquidity flowing through that. And we actually just had some breaking news 14 minutes ago. Uh, Goldman Sachs, Microsoft, SIBO, and others are collaborating to build a blockchain network called the Canton Network. So some massive brands and oh, and Deloitte. Yeah, Deloitte. You can't miss them. Uh, kind of partnering to do this, which I I think is like really interesting to see. Yeah, Watcher Guru had just shared that. Well, this so is shows- this is breaking news, but I just Googled Goldman Sachs and clicked on news on Google, and it's literally just a whole page about how they're just paying $215 million to settle a gender discrimination lawsuit. But anyway, back over to you, Easy. Yeah, so we'll take, <laughs> we'll take this any day of the week, in my opinion, because this is a win for like the, the actual underlying tech. Like that, you have Sports Illustrated rolling out Polygon ticketing services. So like, yes, it's doom and gloom on the NFT space, but it seems pretty damn clear that we're getting a lot of like technology adoption from some massive players and the use cases that we actually see it. So like, I'm pretty interested to see where it, where it all goes from here. And I think that there are a lot of catalysts, whether it's gaming, ticketing, even these massive corporations taking their own swing on blockchains. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I- Kicks, I, I want to hear from you. I want to go back to Spencer at some point to talk about the next cycle, but Kicks and, and Signal, please take it away. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, if you if you look at the historical like Ethereum gas prices, like it, you know, it was it was at these levels in, in early 2021. The, the key difference is that um, in early 2021, like late 2020, the uh, the air, the the areas where NFTs were really popping off weren't on Ethereum, right? It was uh, it was Top Shot, and then it was Nifty Gateway. Nifty Gateway being gasless, and uh, Top Shot was on Flow, right? Um, so uh, I think that, and then when it when it took off on Ethereum was when uh, Gwei got all the way down to like the twenty to forty range. Right now we're at one hundred and twenty-two. So I mean, it's definitely going to continue to hurt. Um, Ethereum NFTs until we get back down to those levels. Like really on Ethereum, Gwei's got to be between like 20 and 40 for NFTs to really have some momentum. So I think that the longer that gas stays higher, probably the more likely that, you know, uh, exciting NFT activity is going to happen um, off of Ethereum. So whether that is Solana, um, whether that is some of these other uh, like, you know, Things like NFL rivals that Easy talked about, but I think that the longer that gas stays this elevated on Ethereum, the more likely that if there's anything in the next 45 to 60 days that's going to be exciting on the NFT front, it's probably going to be uh, outside of the Ethereum network. Would be my guess. Yeah, um, I would also say as well, like when you know when we're talking about the market is um, quiet and we're talking about high gas, it's it, this is obviously affecting most on the PFP side, and so this quiet period i feel like it's just accelerating the th- that that thesis that we've heard so many times about like or not not all pfps a lot of pfps are going to go to zero and i feel like th- like this is the ongoing slippery slope black red run to those to that zero percent and it will become more and more difficult 
for established projects to like climb back up that slope. If you look on the art side, and like we've talked about gaming that, you know, uh, easy mentioned the NFL side of things. We look at the art side of the market. That also has been, you know, has taken a punch to the face as well. Um, but I feel like on that side of things, people are more prepared to be patient, getting their weath offers. The artists who are established and emerging and, you know, people believe that they're here, that the career is here to stay, believe that art, like, like digital art or something will be an asset that will be appreciated in the future by the mass market. The, like these, these collections and these pieces are being picked up. So it, 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 for me, it's kind of like, well, okay, so PF, a lot of PFPs are going down. We try and avoid any sort of falling knives. We try and avoid the collections, which potentially won't be able to come back. But I think there's other areas on Ethereum that even though they have taken a battering, when you look, especially on the art side, they is a, like, there is definitely a use case of saying, okay, I think this artist will be here, will be appreciated by the current market, the traditional market. And those are the things that could be some of the most interesting to pick up uh, as we go into this lull and stay in this lull. So I think it's just about looking at different areas and not just constantly looking at the trading PFP side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to touch on two things there. Number one, on the art side, what are you talking about? What you're talking about is the uh, kind of like acceptance and acknowledgement from the traditional art world of just like digital art as a medium, right? And then that there's going to be specific artists that essentially get anointed by the traditional art world from our space. And when you think about it, it's only been like three years at most that the traditional art world has even been taking this space relatively seriously. And when I talk to friends of mine that are kind of on that side of the market, it does sound to me like the traditional art world is absolutely ramping up. And on the PFP side, the, the sort of asterisk I want to put on the stuff that Signal's talking about is a lot of these profile picture collections were just made by people that wanted to make like, you know, 900 grand, you know, among three people. It's like one artist, one uh, blockchain developer, and maybe a guy that's pretty good at Twitter marketing. So it's like you got those three and they're like, all right, we're going to make 1.1 million. This is going to be crazy. And then they put it out and then they never did anything, right? When essentially what they're really doing is launching a startup, right? And so I think that there will be the existing startups, the Azukis, Meme Lands. I mean, you can go on and on, D-Gods of the world that are actual functioning businesses. But yeah, all those projects that people still insisted to buy when it was pretty clear that they were just going to be, hey, these are three guys trying to make a few hundred thousand bucks for the first time in their life. Um, it, it, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work. We're going to go to buy, sell, or send it to zero with easy momentarily. But first, you know, I wanted to throw to Spencer because Spencer, on this show, you've talked about the next bull run, the next cycle, the next bull a few a few times. And for example, on the Bitcoin show that we have today, we have Eric Voorhees of Shapeshift fame on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really cool. And I've been preparing for that, listening to some Voorhees um, you know, interviews. He did a January interview on Bankless, and he said he actually made price predictions. He said he thinks Bitcoin could be at 40K by the end of the year, which that prediction is actually not looking bad. And he said that he thinks the next bull run could come in the next six months to three years. Um, interesting, you know, very interesting predictions. Uh, just to kind of recap, the previous crypto cycles have directly correlated with the Bitcoin halving, which of course happens every four years. However, they were in all in a uh, kind of environment where interest rates were very low. Now we have a high interest rate environment. Mm -hmm. uh, Spencer, how are you thinking about this, you know, Mr. University yeah. of Chicago? And, and when is the next bull run, buddy? So, okay, here, here's the thing that you have to understand about crypto. 
is crypto has not been through a full economic cycle before, right? So like crypto, like there was an economic cycle that was entirely post 20, like 20, uh, 2008, right? Was this zero interest rate environment for just many, many years, right? And so we had our first cycle kind of in the 2015, 2016 cycle uh, of, of crypto kind of pulled back. But at that time, it was not correlated to the S&P. The thing that happened in the 2020 cycle was that ETH and Bitcoin became highly correlated in the S&P. Why? Because we saw real institutional adoption. And that real institutional adoption included the same people that just trade the S&P, right? You had Rentech, you had Citadel opening up like trading arms for crypto. And so within the context of high correlation to the S&P, this is the first time we've also seen a crypto crash that is not crypto-specific driven, right? This is an all assets pulled back. And crypto is actually doing pretty fine in the context of that as a higher volatility S&P-related asset. Now, it reasons uh, to, it holds to reason that if crypto pulls back because of macroeconomic conditions, it may now also run because of economic conditions, right? So something else that we haven't seen is during this period of time, after crypto pulls back due to non-crypto-specific reasons, general market reasons, right? Now, when general market improves, what happens? Well, we don't know for certain, but I think it's a reasonable, uh, educated guess to say that it will improve and it will improve dramatically with higher volatility, right? As it does usually in uh, sort of all other aspects of how crypto works. So the big bet right now, I think if you're in crypto today is crypto probably just keeps bleeding until the overall all asset market recovers. When does that happen? Well, that ha happens in sort of two stages. One will be when it's very obvious that there will no longer be rate increases. And the second will be when it's very obvious that there will be rate decreases. I think it's fair to say we are in a time period where most people think it is fairly obvious that there will not be substantially more rate increases, right? That sort of has already happened. That's, this is when you saw ETH go from 1400 to like settling in this $1,900 range was that realization. But I think where we're at today is it's not obvious when rates will come down, right? I think a lot of people are betting that it may happen by the end of the year, and I'm highly skeptical of that. I think it does not happen this year, but that's a take. That's like a spicy take. It's not a super spicy take, but it's also not a lukewarm take, right? This is where you can have an opinion. It gets interesting from here, right? It could be that everyone is shocked and it's actually like two years that they don't raise, that they don't de decrease interest rates. I think that that's unlikely either. Personally, I think we see somewhere in Q2 to Q4 of 24 is when we see interest rate, it become, even if we don't necessarily see the interest rate decreases yet, it will become obviously obvious that there are interest rate decreases coming. That's my personal view, but it's also not a strongly held view, right? There's a lot of other variables that can change things in that period of time. But I think that I am cautious and I think that the real blood to buy will be when the people who think that interest rates will go down before the end of the year get proven wrong. And that's when we really see people get disillusioned with a lot of markets. So that's kind of my read on what's going on right now is people have held out hope and you really need everyone's hope to be totally crushed before we really get where we're going. And that's when we have like a true crash, a true crash that like, like a recession, like a proper recession that like, um, that causes interest rates to have to come down over like a relatively near time horizon. Well, we and, have, oh God. Sorry, my last part of this rant is that I think that is going to be a housing price crash that leads this. This is my prediction, my crystal ball looking at it. 
Well, haven't seen one of those since 09, so it would definitely be due. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a little bit of fun now with an addition of our favorite, one of our favorite segments, everybody's, one of everybody's favorite segments, buy, sell, or send it to zero with our very own Easy Eats Bodega. Of course, we will have our other dope panelists participate, but here we go. Buy, sell, or send it to zero with our very own Easy Eats Bodega day trader extraordinaire. I just bought one. No, you don't. Please sell it. Oh, no. Zero. Send it to zero, Easy. This thing is garbage. What? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Buy, Sell, or Send it to Zero with Easy Eats Bodega. In this segment, we will present several NFT collections and their current floor prices, give a little bit of context, and then Easy will weigh in on whether he is buying that collection, selling that collection, or sending it to zero. You can't can't hold it. Holding it is not an option. You can either buy it, sell it, or send it to zero. Easy. Are you ready for today's edition of buy, sell, or send it to zero? I was born ready, P.O. Once again, we're back. I'm ready. It's time to dive in. Let's go. First collection, Rec Guy at .48 ETH. OSF and Mando's collection. Uh, OSF and Mando, of course, of Board Ape Yacht Club, Profit Fame, uh, co-hosts at Rug Radio, founders of the DGENS ecosystem. Rec Guy peaked as high as, get this, 1.9 Ethereum floor price in early January. Gary V bought eight of them yesterday. It was his first purchase in over three months, but the floor is down 27% of the la- over the last seven days. I remember when Gary V buying your collection would pump the price. Anyway, easy. Wrecked guy at 0.48 ETH. Are you buying it, selling it, or sending it to zero? I'm a buyer. No hesitation wow. on this one. Immediate buyer. No, absolutely no hesitation. Looking at the floor even right now, we're sitting at a, just under half an ETH. There's only four listings under half an ETH. There's 10 listings under 0.55 when you take a look at Blur. So I feel good about that price action. I don't think a Gary V and who was it? Snoop Dogg bought the other one? No. Um, who was it, Clemente? Snowfro. Snowfro. Oh, they both start with an S. Artists, <laughs> you know, different, different verticals. Same Close syllables. Enough, yeah, exactly. Snowfro, Snoop Dogg artists you know so i'm a huge fan of wrecked guy i like the project the wrecked chronicles i think are going to start getting a lot of traction with the recent shitcoin meta too so seeing those like wrecked stories that they post i just think that they have a good marketing play on it a good angle on the market it's down 26 percent over the last week over the last 30 days it's down almost 50 percent. it's down bad so like for me i'm i think this is getting even closer to a buy zone you're just not seeing any price action because of gas. So like that's a big reason for me is like I'd almost feel more comfortable even paying up in gas if I could get this near 0.55 with just how thin the listings are. On a collection that's 8,814, only 650 listed, maybe 20 to send it up to 0.7. So even here, like sub half an ETH, I think it's largely due to the gas price situation. Wow. Okay. So a, a clean buy for Rect Guy Signal. I know you're very familiar with the Rect Guy and DGEN's ecosystem. W- what's your take? Yeah, I'm a holder as well, so I'm biased. But um, for me, it's a buy. I'm just like, if it, for me, it's just like a no-brainer when you have people who are working in the space, they contribute to the space, they've been in, in, in it for ages. They, 
OSF Amanda, lovely guys. OSF is an artist as well. His his career just has been like pew, straight up, you know. Um, he just he's he's been in Sotheby's. He's um so he's been in Sotheby's. He's going to be coming out with more work this year. I just think like give like give this guy time, you know. He, he's still he's still super young. Like give him time. I think he's going to stay become more and more relevant. And then on on the on the business side of things, I think these guys are here to stay. And the PFE collection, like the, like the longer it's out, the longer I realize how original it is when when you look at everything in a space and you just kind of look at like what they stand for for the test of time it works in a down market it works in the up market the arts original uh, yeah i'm a big fan of uh, a rec guy and i i like i i hold this to support the guys uh, and i would buy more because i think when the next cycle comes around this will be one of those collections that actually goes up like like goes up with everything else um yeah osef amanda you can't really fade them Spencer, we got another buy call from Signal. Spencer? I mean, yeah, buy. I, look, look, here's the thing. Uh, a, I love these guys. They're awesome. But that's not like the main reason to buy a collection. B, I think if you look in the last cycle, one of the most consistent metas that popped up over and over again was this like sort of CC0, like shitcoiny feeling, but like high community project. And right now, I think, and like, and, who was this? This was Cryptodes. This was MFers. This was Rect Guy. And if you look within that three from last cycle, the one that I think is, and 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 Crypto Dick Butts. I, I'm going to lump that in, right? I think within those, uh, right now it's really like Crypto Dick Butts versus Rect Guy. Um, crypto Dick Butts obviously have like a six x floor on Rect Guy today. I think that's like a little bit bigger of a gap between those, especially when you have one product that's really being built versus one that's just a meme, and so. Like if you look at that in that context, I think there's really like three contenders. There's Milady's, Crypto Dick Butts, and Rex Guy are the three that are vying for like this spot in the market. And if you look at where those other two are, you have, you know, Dick Butts sitting in like the two or one to two ETH range. You have Milady's comfortably at like three, three and a half, right? And so, you know, within that sort of segment of the market, I think it's reasonable to think that. Uh, Rect guy have the most short term upside, but also like a potential to own the narrative in the next market. I'm not saying they will. I just think it's like a reasonable take. Fair. Another buy. Kicks. You're muted, buddy. Uh, bye. Wow. Another buy. Wow. The rare triple buy. <laughs> that is rare on this segment. No, no added context kicks. Just buy. No, I, I think it's. I, I, I think these guys. Uh, I think I, I really like what uh, Signal laid out. That you know they're they're OGs. They want to be around here. Uh, Spencer got in on them at a great price. Um, they they seem to have a lot of lasting power. And personally, I love their takes, their uh, thought process, and analysis on uh, on Twitter. So I think these guys will stay relevant um, for a while. So you know, I'm on board with the buy. All righty, uh, Bunny, what about you? I'm sound. There's no, you guys all said buy. I was initially a buy uh, when I pulled up the chart, and then all you guys started talking, and I was like, nah, there's too many. There's too many buys. There's no way you guys all got your finger on the pulse of this thing. If you look uh, at the chart's pretty fucking ugly, dude, uh, to be completely <laughs> honest. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. But from like September to November of last year, it, it was in between like 0.2 and, and 0.45. Uh, and since literally no one's buying NFTs, like I've never seen Gary V not cause at least a temporary 
pos like some temporary positive price action. I think this this is going to bleed a little bit more to like point three point four. All right, I like it. I like Bunny taking the counter position. So just to lock it in, ladies and gentlemen, that was a buy call from Easy. It was actually a buy call from everybody except Bunny. Uh, next collection, on-chain monkey at 1.4 ETH. So we actually covered these when they, they were at 3 ETH, and Easy's call was to sell at that price. I'm sure he got a lot of flack because... I when, got yelled at for like three straight days. <laughs> because you said at... Oh, what would be the equivalent of six thousand U.S. dollars? You dared say to not, uh, to not, or excuse me, yeah, to not buy this NFT. Uh, it's at one point four ETH, so it's down fifty percent from there. Uh, I don't know if anybody that yelled at you is going to admit that they were wrong. Anyway, on May thirty first. They're launching a generative collection on Bitcoin of 300 3D on-chain monkeys, all, uh, all inscribed on early 2009 Satoshis. For those of you that don't uh, understand, those are like really badass Satoshis to be inscribing on. Uh, so easy, on-chain monkey at 1.4 ETH. I don't think it's going to zero, but I'm not a buyer, so I guess sell. Sell again. Yeah, this is one for me that just like, and I know I'm going to once again hear some flack about it, but it's just like, it doesn't move the needle for me because they already did the inscription. Now it's like they're resurfacing that inscription. So it just... Maybe they'll do a BRC20, man. Yeah, then it would pump because right now BRC20s are cooking. So that would be like the run up, but... Yeah, I don't. It's tough. I mean, it's an OG community, diehard community, and another thing, like 260 listed out of 9,500, the really low amount. So clearly, their ecosystem enjoys holding this asset. But just for me personally, I'm not. I'm just not interested in. It. All right, Easy's out. It's a sell call again. I'm sure they'll yell at him again. Not much of a leg to stand on after a 50% retracement since Easy's last sell call. Uh, signal on chain monkey 1.4 ETH. Yeah, I actually think we got it wrong, actually. Well, we, you, easy. Because do you remember you said sell and then it pumped because of the Bitcoin announcement? I don't, I'd like, I don't know if you guys remember, but so it actually went up. I mean, Clemente, we'll have to check the numbers. But I'm pretty sure we said sell and then it went up because of the Bitcoin, but now it's retraced. Um, so, but I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's a tough one. Um, apparently, because the team is super smart. Um, Ray spoke about them when they were on the show as well. Right. Um, so it's obviously a very like capable team. They've managed to survive um, and, and and thrive for the last you know few years. Um, but if this was a personal call, I I wouldn't be putting my ETH behind it. Um, at That's literally all it is for me. Like I just don't. Yeah. I I just don't see myself deploying one point four ETH into this. I, the, the founder's great. Like really smart guy. Has done a ton of dope stuff. But it's just not a project for me. Ten <laughs> percent so royalty. So to clarify real quick, when they did the ordinals announcement, the floor pump from 0.8 all the way up to a little bit above 3 ETH, but we basically did buy sell sentence zero when it was at the top. What's up? <laughs> Bunny, what were you going to say? Their royalties are 10% too, right? So if you're buying this at 1.4, you need a pretty good gain uh, to make any money. Fair. Also... Uh, I want to call out, too, there's been five wrecked guy sales in the past eight minutes, and now the floor is at 0. .54. So we've had more of a material impact. Right again. 
What's up? <laughs> I mean, we've had more of a material impact on Rec Guy than Gary V did. Eat your heart out, Gary V. Uh, get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Please come on the show. Uh, anyway, uh, Kicks, any thoughts on On Chain Monkey at 1.4 ETH? Yeah, dude, definitely send it to zero, man. Whoa! And damn! That was an aggressive move. Sayonara, motherfucker! I mean, wow, send it to zero, Kicks. Are you ready for a bunch of... Uh, like alternative Bitcoin guys to jump on you, like not traditional Bitcoin guys, like alt Bitcoiners. Yeah, that's the only reason I did it. I actually respect the team a lot, but I really want to hear people uh, yell at me and tell me that BRC twenties, which is basically like trading static HTML files that say <laughs> how many coins you have. That Dude, that's so bullish. That that's the future of um, trading uh, uh, on chain currency. So yeah, I just wanted a little. Little flax. Uh, that, that's the only reason why I said it. You wanted chaos today. I can tell. You wanted. You wanted yeah. a hectic day. Yeah, exactly. You, you're gonna get canceled, uh, Spencer. On chain monkey. One point four ETH. Uh, I, I, you know, like I, I, I can't make the call here. I don't know anything about this project at all. Okay, that and that's other, fair. Other than that, Captain Trippy was stuck with it as his PFP for a hot sec because that, of like that's the my Twitter only exposure to this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay because it's not buy, sell, or send it to zero with Spencer. So if you got to pass, you got to pass. The only person that can't pass is easy. And he can't pass on this third and final collection. Mad Lads at 64 Solana. That's 1300 bucks. since nobody is aware of pricing in Solana, apparently. We learned that through the Utes and D-Gods migration. So just to give some context, after peaking at over 100 Solana, the collection has Pulled back roughly 40%. As easy as previously stated, there's increased interest in Solana with the spiked gas fees on ETH. Also should be noted that there was a pretty uh, robust gas fee discussion happening in the Twitter, uh, the YouTube comments that I saw. That's just not something you see every day. Usually people are just talking about collections that they own because they you know, take it very, very personally if anybody says anything negative about a collection they own. Instead, it was a gas fee related conversation. So I don't know, maybe the people have a bunch of Matic and Solana and that's why they were getting frustrated with each other. Anyway, sentiment on Twitter still appears to be high as the Mad Lad team's con uh, team continues to experiment with the collection using Backpack should be noted, I've seen some pretty notable Twitter uh, profiles having them as their profile picture. Nick Carter comes to mind from the Bitcoin world. Anyway, easy. Mad Lads at 64 Solana. That is 1300 US dollars. You're, you're muted, buddy. Yeah, I'm a buyer here. I'm a buyer here. Uh, as wild as it may sound, they seem to still be in this slightly higher uptrend Like as I continue to look at it. With each sell-off, it does appear that buyers step in. They just officially did 3 million Solana volume across marketplaces, or 3 million USD volume across markets, which is insane considering they launched 14 days ago. So 3 million secondary volumes, nothing to flock at, especially in a bear. And uh, it's seeing them hold the 63 floor is really impressive. They did a what they said was a snapshot, had everyone like all excited, and then they launched an app in their wallet that just rickrolled you. So like said, claim snapshot, you clicked it and just played the Rick Roll video in your wallet. So like XNFTs are this sort of play that is like dynamic NFTs. Like people have made like Flappy Bird as an NFT and stuff like that. That lets you like programmatically put code into the asset in the wallet. And there, I just think there's a lot of potential with it. The founder, Armani, is one of the OG like creators of uh, the underlying tech stack for Solana and the contract behind it. And also worked with SBF at FTX left there to create backpack and uh he's just 
I mean, you look at the guy's GitHub, and I think he's literally had a Git push every single day since 2018. Like, the guy just loves to code. So I think that that alone gives me confidence in them to just try a bunch of stuff, and whatever the ecosystem really likes, they're just going to double down on. And they're not scared to take swings and risks and have a little bit of fun with it, which I think the space needs more of. So kind of a long-winded rant, but I, I just really like the team. I do not hold any of these at the moment. So I'm excited to see what they what they end up doing, but I do think it's a buy here. We got a buy call on Mad Lads. I will just open it up if anybody has perspective on this. I know that the panel uh, largely is not mega active on Solana. Does anybody have any perspective? Spencer, I know that I think that there's been VC uh, contribution to this collection one way or another. I don't know if this crossed your desk at any point or if Backpack did or anything from that ecosystem. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I. I think I've definitely heard of Mad Lads and seen a lot, some talk about it. I think the the narrative that they need to own to be really successful is the like Frank replacement narrative, and so I'm cu- like 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 that's kind of where I see Solana right now is is, and, and that's a narrative that takes time. Is like D gods and Utes were pretty undisputed as the number one on Solana, and I don't feel as though there is currently an as undisputed number one. I think you have Clanosaurs, you have Mad Lads, are like the things that at least I've heard of on the East side that have some legs. But I think that it still hasn't been enough time since the migration of Utes and D-Gods to ETH for the, those to establish. Because what you see a lot of the time is it's very easy to have a flash in the pan takeover of that spot. But what Frank had done was it, like, it didn't feel like a flash in the pan, right? There was like six to eight months where it felt like, okay, like, Utes and D-Gods are just number one on this chain. And I think we will see another collection that feels like that, but it's it necessarily takes time, right? And those two seem like the collections that, to me, are in running. And easy may correct me, but right now it feels like it's really a two-legged race between Mad Lads and Clanosaurs for, like, the top spot We're there. But seeing, like, OK Bears get a couple of legs here. Uh, again, like, after their recent release and rollout. And they've just really doubled down on a lot of stuff. Um, I think you're spot on though. Like Clanosaurs have this really strong cult following existing team, but it's almost like, I think we're going to see a few projects actually emerge and really start to kind of carve out their niche, you know, like mad lads being far more tech focused, Clanosaurs being far more animation, IP entertainment focused. And I think you end up seeing like a couple of these key participants start to lead a charge. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Signal and kicks. Any thoughts on this? Understand if you're unfamiliar, get kicks, nothing from you or. Yeah, uh, I, I just don't know enough to really make a, a comment on it. But um, I mean, I do know if you bought that, you made a crap ton of money. So. <laughs> there you go. Bunny, any thoughts on Mad Lads? Doesn't the Solana Foundation pump that easy? They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I would buy it because of that. <laughs> also, I feel like Famous Fox Federation is like in the running with the other two. They don't uh, do any marketing, though. They're just a great team. Like, they'll no, always well, trade the floor 50 is just to as high. Yeah, but it's it's been that high since Soul was two hundred dollars, and where it's twenty dollars, it literally is just super glued. There you go. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, that was today's edition of Buy Seller Send It to Zero. It was a buy for wrecked guy at point forty eight ETH, which literally resulted in market activity. Is that is that still happening? There were five sales. Yes. Yeah, st- okay. So just like five sales from that, but that was interesting. On chain monkey. 
It's, it's actually astonishing how little that happens. Been doing this show for two years. I very rarely get calls in this 9 to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time window. Anyway, uh, it was a sell from on-chain monkey at 1.4 ETH. It was a buy of Mad Lads at 64 sold. That's 1300 US dollars. And that's your edition of Buy, Seller, Send It to Zero. Clemente, shall we drop a free NFT? Absolutely. The password for today's free NFT is Jungle Six. G U, sorry, J U N G L E, and then the number six. You can go claim this at slash claim. And uh, we're going to go ahead and claim it right now. Claiming it on screen on YouTube right now. Getting our little uh, animation here with the brand theme. Here we go. And there you go. It's another NFT in the Bodago's Relics Collection, the Collar of the Wild. Uh, the Collar of the Wild is a legendary artifact of the lush and, and untamed jungle. As it hovers above a mystical shrine, the Collar of the Wild glows with an emerald light that illuminates the verdant greenery around it. Very cool. Collar of the Wild from the Bodago's Relics Collection. Again, go to the nifty.com slash claim. The password is jungle6 to claim today's free NFT. That platform's only going to change for the better. It's only going to evolve, uh, and we're only going to ship more stuff with it, unlike what OpenSea did for a really long time. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Make sure that you sign up at thenifty.com for a free NFT. Make sure that you subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. Follow everybody that's on the show on Twitter. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time each and every week. We will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. Check out the Bitcoin show today at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Eric Voorhees on the show. Big show.